Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Mr. Embryo Show. Permanecer sentados, por favor. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mr. Embryo Show, the show where I get to talk to some of my favorite people in the world, pick their brains about their passions and their interests, and hopes that I can pull some nuggets of wisdom that I can then pass along to my daughters. They are going to grow up having lots of questions that I won't have the answers to, so hopefully I get to talk to people that do. And in this case... I talked to a great friend of mine, Mark Sherwin Edra, and we talked about work life. In the last episode where I talked about food, we also touched on how a lot of businesses are suffering from COVID-19. We didn't realize that something like this can have such a big economic impact and I, I did feel like uh, it was it was almost a, a perfect segue into my conversation with Mark because he does work at uh, a local brewery or that's actually one of the biggest breweries uh, in the world located here uh, in San Diego, uh, Alesmith. We do touch on briefly how the, the brewery scene has, has been in, uh, impacted by this disease that is running rampant and by the way, I hope everyone's, you know, taking care out there, staying safe, staying home, continuing to practice this social distancing. Doing this will help us fight this disease and, and let us get back to our quote-unquote normal daily life. And shout out to everyone on the front lines, you know, the healthcare workers, people that are really sacrificing just their time and energy and, you know, their, their life really to help fight this disease and to to try to provide some sort of normalcy for the rest of us, you know, all the grocery store workers and food delivery people, you know, all these people that are are trying to keep us healthy and, and keep us sane and keep to, to help us all survive this really. So thank you to all you people. Right now, as I'm recording this, it's raining outside. So hopefully that, you know, washes away some of our troubles and some of our pain. Maybe we did maybe we do need a little rain. Um, but yeah, breweries did take a hit from this, and and so I, I touch on that with Mark. But really, what I wanted to get out of my conversation with Mark was he was always someone that uh, wherever he worked, he always repped that company hard, and and uh, <laughs> I uh, I kind of bust his balls about that, you know, all the time. How how he's almost like a walking advertisement for wherever he works. Like in our text thread that we have with our with our circle of friends, almost anything he says in that thread is is almost always an advertisement for for Smith. It's not I mean it's not an advertisement but he's just letting us he's giving us a heads up but we joke around with him that it's almost like he's he's a bot uh that's interrupting our conversation. Uh I even sent him um just to make sure I was like, "Hey Mark, I just want to make sure you're not a robot." So I sent him one of those photo grids where you have to click on uh click on each square that that shows a picture of a car or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, "Hey Mark, can you click on him?" <laughs> Can you just click on this picture to make sure you're not a robot? Because, you know, he's usually just talking about, hey, it's uh, 40% off merchandise at Alesmith right now. Or, you know, check out this beer that we <laughs> special special edition, come down to the tasting room. So it's, it's funny. I'm just busting his balls. But really, his work ethic and, and the pride he has in his work, it, it's it's something that, that should be uh, admired. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a company man. So, and, and this... This conversation almost goes uh, hand in hand with um, the first episode. I sat with my buddy Chris Apuyan and we talked about finding your identity. This one is along those same lines is, is finding your career path. A lot of people, especially if this is eventually going to be for my kids or for future gener- generations, maybe you won't know what you're going to what you want to do. You don't know what your calling is, as was the case with Mark. He, he just had um, different epiphanies that kind of dictated where he wanted to take his career next. We talk about where his work ethic stemmed from, but also we talk about moments in his life where he realized he couldn't be complacent and he needed a change. This was a cool conversation, uh, a long conversation that I had to <laughs> whittle down and edit. This motherfucker. So, so we were talking about how we like to bust each other's balls. His way of fucking with me was to let this conversation drag on and on. 
I, I anticipated only talking for two hours. We talked for over four hours. <laughs> I, I didn't realize till later on that he was doing that on purpose. He just wanted to see how long I could talk for. <laughs> but I was game. I was like, I'll, I'll keep talking. I don't care. Because it's just more material for me to, to go through and try to piece together an episode that could be entertaining and as informative as possible. But uh, I, I didn't take into account the technical aspect of it. One being four-hour audio files are fucking big-ass files that my poor computer was huffing and puffing when <laughs> when he's trying to trying to process all this audio. Um, so it kind of slowed down the editing process, but I was just like, God damn it, Mark, you fucking asshole. <laughs> no, but it, but it is good. Um, we find some gems here and there. In the end, though, I, I had fun catching up with Mark and good stuff for anyone that is trying to figure out what they want to do in life. Enjoy the episode. Say hi, Corey. <laughs> I think both of those companies are, are, are pretty big, like San Diego Staples. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Petco was started in San Diego. And, and L. Smith, obviously, was started in San Diego. Yeah, L. L. Smith and one of the biggest breweries. What, what is, what's the ranking right now for L. Smith that you like to, uh, you like to tell us <laughs> when you're advertising? I mean, I, I don't like to tell you guys. I just shared an article with you guys <laughs> that showed no, the, the, the um, rankings in the world. And L. Smith was ranked number six. I think uh, we've been tight, uh, six, two, two years in a row. And one of the weird uh, kind of little goals I had after that came out is like, dude, 2020 will be my first full year. I wonder if I could help us get into top five. Well, what what are the, what are they ranking? Is it like just sales, beer distribution, or or what's what's that ranking coming from? Um, I, I think it, it's really a ranking of the beer uh, and the accomplishments that it's had through the year. You know, um, I, I it's I don't think sales has anything to do with that ranking. Otherwise, you know, you'd have like. Bud Light, exactly <laughs> number one always. One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Ailsmith is actually like with with our, with our circle of friends. It's like definitely one of our favorite beers, if not the favorite beer. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a San Diego staple. Uh, you know, yeah. a lot of our friends grew up in Miramesa, so Miramar is kind of like uh, the beer hub of San Diego. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, and and it's one of the bigger ones there. Um, I think uh, the only one really bigger is Ballast Point. And we were talking about like local restaurants in, in the previous episode, but like breweries, uh, breweries are also taking a hit too, right? Like like uh, local breweries, especially like the smaller ones. Oh, they're taking a huge hit. Um, L. Smith actually is really impacted by what's going on, and it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing though is uh, we still do have wholesale, and I, I uh, saw in the news a while ago that actually alcohol sales are up across the u.s yeah. uh, and i forgot what the percentage was well because people don't have shit to do right now yeah, right? they don't <laughs> but when you have like some something like l smith um so we have two sides of the business right we have wholesale and that's the stuff that goes out to uh supermarkets and mm-hmm. uh liquor stores and whatnot right. then and, and you guys are still doing all right on that front well yeah yeah, yeah. um and then you have uh the other side of the wholesale business is restaurants, um, bars, and pubs. And then oh. we also have our tasting room. So the wholesale side yeah. makes up about 50% of our sales. And then the tasting room side makes up about the other 50%. And, and, and that actually was kind of weird to me when I, I first heard about that. But if you think the, about the it, tasting room, like, like the actual physical location, yeah, it makes up 50%. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Because you would think that with yeah. a wide distribution, so we're in about. Mm-hmm. 20 states and four countries and i was always thinking like with a wide distribution um we should probably be about like that should be 70 percent of our sales and tasting room would be 30 percent. yeah but since mm-hmm. it's wholesale our margins aren't as big as we distribute across the country and in, in different countries and in the tasting room our margins are a lot higher just because you know it's in-house and we get a lot of traffic yeah. coming through so um, so to find out that that is fifty percent of our business, yeah, that sounds crazy to me too. I, I would, I, yeah, I, would, I, I thought it would be like eighty twenty or something like that. Yeah, no, no, totally. I, I thought that too. But yeah, so our um, our wholesale business was grew about fifteen percent uh, in March, but overall business is down sixty five percent, which is crazy. So we had obviously our tasting rooms closed, so um, 
all our beer tenders and servers um, aren't working right now, which sucks. A lot of uh, the production staff is is working on furlough. And actually, just last week, uh, I was kind of put on a furlough as well. Yeah. So it, it, it sucks in, in the sense it's that, that uh, yeah, our business is impacted. We were gonna we we're about to be going into the baseball season, which is a huge time for Ale Smith because 394 is our number one selling beer. Mm-hmm. And um, so going into the baseball season, it, it really becomes our busiest time. Like in general, the seasonality of beer. Um, usually is highest during between um, spring and summer and couple wow. that with baseball season and our 394 beer it, it really is the busiest time for us and we were ramping up for it and then you know i think it was the beginning of march is when the quarantine started so we had all these 394 beer that was ready to go to uh, petco park that actually we had to um, package rather than put into kegs. That's crazy, man. You don't, Yeah, you don't think about these things like sports getting canceled. There's an actual domino effect that happens. And I was kind of like, you know, you watch news and they talk about like our recovery and how long it's going to take. And, you know, eventually we'll be able to get out of our house, right? But yeah. you'll still have like these big sporting events and music events that are still probably going to be um, restricted from from mm. going to business just because there's so many people gathered in one place so it might be a long time before we start seeing sports again it's too big of a risk like yeah it's way too soon unless we get like some sort of vaccine so you're you're on furlough right now yeah a little bit of a furlough what is a furlough exactly it's just a temporary leave of employment right it's a it, it could be that it, uh, in my case it, it becomes uh, working less hours. So rather than working oh, okay. five days a week, I'm working four days a week. And so okay. Oh, but you're still working. There. Yeah, I'm still working. Um, I'm working from oh, home okay, now, which is good. And then, um, yeah, you know, for some people, it, it might be you know rather than like forty hours to go down to zero hours. So. I think it mm-hmm. really just depends on the business need. Well, it's good to hear you're hanging in, and and uh, I think one of the things I wanted to bring up, you and Josh have actually like worked at like almost every place that you worked at together well, you guys are almost co-workers at every every step on your career path you guys are almost like side by side yeah well kind of um it's really three spots and it ended at petco yeah the first job you guys had was was picnic people the first job you had together yeah it was it was picnic people so yeah, what's crazy about picnic is that still people? around yeah it is it's still around uh the current owner or no i shouldn't say the owner the president so we um we announced that we had a new president, I think, November of last year. Um, Peter Zine and Vicky Zine, the owners of L. Smith, they, they actually are taking a step back to do a little bit more um, charity work. So they hired um, Brandon Richardson from Coronado Brewing to come on to L. Smith to be a, a president. Mm-hmm. And it turns out his mom owns Picnic People. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, full circle, dude. Isn't that crazy? Um, you're connected to, to this dude's family the whole time. Yeah. And now you're part of his work fam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but pe- That's crazy. That's uh, the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> I think the brewery world in general, they, they don't really like... If, it feels like there's more of camaraderie than competition, right? Yeah. Um, so on my onboarding, like uh, one of the things that they displayed... Um, like on the the deck for all the new people is um it said uh, make beer not war and the, that's the biggest thing that they try and preach is like everyone's kind of in it yeah. together it's kind of an art form and yeah. you know you want to try and help each other weren't <laughs> you crow for halloween like three years yeah, yeah i was i was crow. you were you were you were crow for like multiple years I know. I think it was just one year. I think. Oh, was it just one year? Yeah, it was right out of high school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you just liked wearing like a really tight outfit. So it was know, right like, out of high it. school, and um, yeah, it was for Halloween. And I remember I bought like uh, the pants for it from Hot Topic, and they were uh, like. Girl pants. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you bought leather pants from Hot Topic? Yeah. And then I remember, um, I think uh, we had a Halloween party or we were we were meeting up at Len's house to go trick-or-treating together. This is right out of uh, um, high school. Yeah. And um, I remember walking in and then, you know, I did my walk and then I heard Susan. <laughs> remember Susan? Um, I heard her like uh, like behind me she just say, damn, Mark has a better ass than me. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, dude. Mm-hmm. But I think she was just more, more talking, making fun of my pants and like how like tight they were. <laughs> no, just take the compliment, man. What, what, was it was it hard putting them on like Roths from Friends? Uh, no, because they, they weren't real. They weren't leather. Um, they were uh, kind of stretchy. Pleather? Yeah, they were a little pleatherish. <laughs> yeah, That's those, another thing you have in common with Josh. Like you, you and Josh are both like huge into like kind of like nerd culture. Just yeah. Like, do, do you remember other odd jobs that you had? Uh, I remember you and Josh were, like, in a basket. Uh, yeah, so that was our next job. Like a basket company? And it was, like, a seasonal job? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, November, December-ish time frame. And, uh, yeah, we would make baskets. Uh, just as simple as that. You know, put it together, shrink wrap it. It paid minimum wage, right? But the thing is, they had a lot of opportunity for overtime. So we would work as much overtime as we could just because yeah. we would get paid so much. So you guys were making bank? Yeah, we would end up working like 12-hour days just like uh, Damn. just to get to that overtime, you know. See, that, and that kind of shows uh, that quality that you, you still have. Like, how old are you in that basket, the basket making one? I, I really don't remember, but it probably was like 16, 15, 16 see like 15 16 year old like working 12 hours you kind of have to have that drive to want to work or or i guess it's more just you want to make money right yeah a little bit of both i guess i don't think it was really drive like uh, <laughs> like I, I don't think i had aspirations of being but no but but as silly as like that job is uh i always like saw you as a, a hard worker and like a you always, whatever company you, you, you work for, you rep it hard. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of that is just kind of how I was kind of raised, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, my parents installed, the, uh, you know, a good work ethic within me. You know, I've, I've always had this kind of need to just want to make sure I'm doing a good job or make sure, you know, at the end of the day, like I could put like a stamp on that day and say like, hey, I made this day the best that I could. I picked it up through the hard work that I was put through, you know, um, my dad, he never really liked us watching TV. Yeah. It's kind of like wasting our time playing video games. So he would always have mm-hmm. us go out and, um, pick the weeds, you know, or clean the house. He, he yeah. is, he just never liked us waste, wasting time for, for us growing up. We did a lot of like yard work for some reason. <laughs> well, you have a big ass backyard. That's the reason. <laughs> Yeah, so like multiple times. Especially if you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you're a kid, that shit looks like a big ass. Mm-hmm. Like, how many acres is this thing? <laughs> Stupid. But no, no, I, yeah, I remember too, like like us also, we, we were picking a lot of weeds. Yeah. When, and that's why me and Lynn don't have a backyard. <laughs> like, we're not doing this shit. <laughs> so picnic people, baskets, were there any other odd jobs that you had? Um, Before Petco. Before Petco, yeah, because Petco is like a, a whole, it's like a whole era that we can get into. Back in high school, um, I did want to go into the medical field for a long time, you know, because my dad was a corpsman in the Navy. My mom was an RN. My aunts and uncles were kind of that same dynamic where dad was in the Navy, mom was an RN. So, like, I I felt like that's what I wanted to do. So, a lot of the stuff that I did in high school were, like, uh, volunteer stuff, like candy striping stuff. I would volunteer at hospitals. Oh, you did candy striping, too? Yeah. I did. Did you have to wear? They called it candy stripe because you wore like a like a you look like a candy cane, right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember if the apron I wore was actually a candy cane <laughs> pattern. Like, yeah, pattern. But I, do they I still did, do that? I, I don't know if they actually still do that. But but I did do do that for a while, and it was just one night. Uh, was was a crazy night. I was working the front desk on the floor, and a guy or someone, a person expired or died um in the room across from where i was and it was a four-hour shift and the nurses were talking about it and you know the door was right there it was right across from from my desk and you know i was answering the the phones you know because i was just working the front desk and i would have to page Mm -hmm. and whatnot but for in that four hours no one came to pick up that body 
And it just like creeped me out that this whole time we had a dead body just waiting in that hotel. Oh man, yeah, that's pretty creepy. Like he died, he died in the beginning of your shift? That was at the beginning of our shift, my shift, yeah. Because I would work like different floors, like uh, just whenever they needed me. So that's yeah. crazy. You used to have aspirations to be in the medical field. Yeah, yeah, I did. And when, when did that change? After that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was like, it was that traumatizing? Yeah, I mean, like it wasn't traumatizing in the sense that I was like up at night just thinking about it. But just yeah. in the sense that like uh, dealing with death, you know, dealing with like people being sick, um, just yeah. it just didn't feel like it was a career path for me. It, it wasn't what I wanted to do. So you have to have like a certain a, a certain stomach, for, not, not even just a stomach for it, but just you have to have a certain mentality or, or mindset. So this poor little uh, candy striper with his uh, red and white striped <laughs> apron and hat. <laughs> Did you have a hat too? Like a no. So you look like a um, hot dog. No hot dog on a stick. No, it was just it was just the apron. I don't think they had hats. I I, <laughs> I, I honestly don't think it. I don't, I don't think it was like candy striped apron, but I did have to wear an apron. But but yeah, that was the turning point for me. It's just like, oh, I, I just, I need to do something else. And then mm-hmm. going to senior year, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, Even like, like you still didn't know like what major you were going to pick? Yeah, I, I just knew I was going to go into college undecided for a bit and then try and figure yeah. it out. Did you start Petco? Were you still in high school when you, when you eventually got to Petco? Actually, no, I wasn't in high school. It was after high school that... Uh, oh, okay. So after high school, we went to community college for a bit. You know, I think we had our band. That was taking up a lot of my time, like uh, <laughs> when we started our band. It was fun, right? Yeah. And then um, and then I felt like I, I needed to get a job. And, and Peko, that job almost kind of changed your life, I feel like. Because <laughs> it, it set you, that, that kind of set you down your, the career path that you eventually headed to. Yeah, it, it, it kind of did. And you know, it was a cool job. So when you started working at Star, you know, I started as, you know, a regular uh, associate and I don't know how it happened. You know, I just worked hard and maybe I feel like it might've been like a year into it. I became uh, a team leader. I, I was basically, you know, put in charge of people. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember uh, walking into Petco sometimes we, we'd go just to, just to say what's up if we we're in the area. And I was like, dang, dude, Mark runs this place. <laughs> Uh, you got like employee of the month. I've seen your face on there a couple times, right? Yeah, a few times. I mean, you know, it's a uh, employee of the month is just always kind of weird when it's a small store because just I feel like it always just rotates. But no, <laughs> it's, it's still pretty cool. But yeah, so um, I started off as a team leader. Then I went into that inventory position, and then uh, eventually um, I was offered a position in um, on Marina Boulevard as an assistant manager. So, Damn, yeah, so Dwight's status. Yeah, so that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not assistant to the, the regional manager. <laughs> it was uh, an assistant manager position. Um, you really worked your way up. That's it's kind of cool to hear like the different rungs that that you you went through. Petco was where you were starting to develop like the sense of like um company pride and stuff, right? I think so. That's where you kind of s- started like repping your brand harder and stuff because you're you're proud of the work that you did. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that is kind of probably where a lot of it comes from. Just being proud of of what I'm doing, and then you know, um, really buying into the idea that Pekka was putting out there too. Because I, I think Pekka is a great company. Um, what with what they're trying to do with uh, the Pekka Foundation. Um, the Petco Foundation is basically they, they run like monthly like fundraisers. Uh, you know, they're the guys that are like, hey, would you like to donate? You know, would you like to round up your change or donate your change? Yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. They they do that, and, and I, I really believed in the story that they were telling because um, a lot of those foundations would go to like local shelters, and we would pick mm-hmm. different shelters. You know, different stores would have different shelters that they would donate to. Mermesa would do a uh, rescue house. I think Moreno Boulevard was uh, donated to the San Diego Humane Society because it was just down the street. But yeah, like so I, cool, I ended up uh, as an assistant manager over at Moreno Boulevard for probably about a year. It was kind of like a tough time in my career because uh, the manager there wasn't, he, he wasn't really a people person. He was kind of like a dick, you know. Yeah. The people that worked there, I was like on the verge of uncovering like a big, like, um, Whistleblowing. Scheme. Yeah. <laughs> with with the workers there but i ended up uh yeah. i ended up quitting peco for a little bit i don't remember that yeah um i don't think i talked about it really it, it was a very yeah. short period but like um are you allowed to talk about it well yeah i guess it doesn't matter you don't, it doesn't you matter, don't work yeah. there anymore 
So, uh, well, so the whistleblower thing, I mean, it wasn't really a whistleblower thing. It, it was uh, some associates that, that I was uncovering that they were doing with trunk fraud. And, and the reason why I uncovered it is you know, every once in a while, um, as a manager, I'll just go through, um, we're able to go through our receipts for the day. And I yeah. would just kind of look at the returns um, for the day. And uh, I just looked at like any high transactions or any transactions with cash returns. I just wanted to see what was going on. And I noticed like a lot of uh, returns that had like big bags of dog food or fish tanks for cash. And then, oh. I, and then I would go back to the registers because if it was a return, that would be at the register still. And then they have to like go back to the shelves, right? So, you know, like I had one guy who would like work the morning and then on the register and then a chick that worked at night on the register. So after yeah. that guy's shift was done, I'd walk over to the register and be like, I had to talk to the girl that was closing. And I asked her, Hey, where's this um, 40 pound bag of dog food? And she would say, Oh, blah, blah, blah. I took it back already. And then like, uh, I kind of knew that he didn't because I stocked that location earlier. And I noticed that it was the same amount of bags over there. So I knew she was in on it. And then I started looking at her like receipt transactions too. <laughs> it turns out she was like doing return fraud as well. Damn. Yeah. That whole uh, Ocean's Eleven thing going on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Like, so before I, I uh, quit there, like I was on the verge of discovering that. I laid out the information to my general manager. He didn't really do anything with it. He was and probably I, in on it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like I, I just, I couldn't deal, or I think I was just kind of done dealing with that area. So I actually ended up quitting. Where did you work? So for like maybe like three, two or three months, I actually, um, I went to a temp agency for a bit and they put me um, on a job with a, a real estate um, company where I was kind of just doing paperwork for them. Yeah. a little bit and then eventually i actually went back to mira mesa yeah and um so by then josh actually was promoted to where my old position was i think or we might have been in the same position already but he kind of like talked to the general manager and helped me get hired back um cool. yeah and then i eventually like you know got my old position back and then there was yeah. another restructure of like management there. And so, you know, I just having kind of that management position for a while, I actually stepped back from school for a little bit, thinking that like maybe like full, this is my time. career path. Yeah, yeah. This is where, what I wanted to do. You must have been getting paid like a decent salary or because you're like, a, it was kind of a, a higher up position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I felt like I was comfortable, you know, I was, yeah, I was getting good money. And then what yeah. I started seeing happening is friends that I went to high school with, they got to a point where they started graduating and moving on to, you know, bigger and better jobs. And then for me, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm getting left behind. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like uh, I'm not getting the full potential of what I could do. So I decided to re kind of rededicate myself to my education. So that was like a good four years in now, five years in, I think four years into Becca. What did you end up going back to school for? What'd you major in? Uh, it was actually business administration with an emphasis okay. in finance. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know exactly why it was like finance that I wanted to go in. I just knew I was kind of good with numbers. And then you like got super good at like making spreadsheets. I know, I know you like your spreadsheets. That came later, but yeah. Eventually Is that I something did. you picked up in college? No, actually, no, it, I actually, uh, it, it, it was something I picked up when I got into the corporate life. Yeah. So like, you know, like, so what happened is uh, after I was uh, decided to go back to school, I transferred over to San Marcos. One other thing though, is I, I did feel like uh, before I went back to school, I was very complacent. I was just very kind of in a rut. So when I, I went back to school, I did start feeling like it was kind of a new and different world again. You know, I was learning. Um, I was uh, just, just feeling like I was bettering myself. When you graduated, did you go straight to Petco Corporate? Uh, not not quite right away. When I graduated, the first thing I did I, I did do was just uh, send out applications like crazy. I, I feel like, uh, so me and Josh, we kind of graduated like a year from each other. He graduated the year before yeah. I did, then I graduated after. But we were still working at Petco. And then we were just kind of talking about, hey, what's our next step? And one of the things that we were talking about was applying for a new job becomes a, a full-time job in itself. It's uh, yeah. getting on a computer, looking for new leads, looking for new 
post on jobs and sending out an application and fucking um, putting your resume I'd together a, and shit. Yeah, putting my resume together. Uh, different people kind of look at it. Um, so after I graduated that summer, I just put out like a bunch of like resumes and applications to jobs, just anywhere that kind of just related to my field. But one thing I should say though, like as a finance major, I had huge aspirations to become a day trader. And I, I don't know why. <laughs> like it, it was just like a thing because like um you know, I was really into I, I watched like um what is that movie? Uh Wall Street. Yeah, Wall Street. And then the one uh, with uh, Charlie Sheen? Yeah, Charlie Sheen and Michael Douglas. Like, <laughs> Dude, I want to make millions of dollars. I, I so I started watching all these reality shows about day traders. Uh um, if uh if Wolf of Wall Street came out around that time, you definitely would have become a day trader. Yeah. Like, that makes it look like super fun. It does. I, and, you know, I actually dabbled like with the stock market and, and day trading. Um, yeah. You know, I put a few thousand dollars like in, into like stock market. Unfortunately, like uh, it's not as easy as they make it seem. A lot of these tra- day traders, because a lot of what happens is with every transaction, there are kind of like fees for that transaction. So, you lose a lot of the profit within that. And what happens yeah. with these day traders, they, they move in such large volumes that those like small transaction fees um, are kind of just like a drop in the bucket as compared to the profits that they make. So, what, what's 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 day trading specifically again? That's like when you're like buying and selling like... Yep. And that's basically... Constantly, right? Constantly, yep. yeah. Um, a lot of like the bigger businesses actually have like systems that um, have algorithms that kind of buy and sell stock um, at different points at just like milliseconds at a time just to get like... Yeah, oh, it's shit. crazy. I think there's um, some sort of show that on Netflix right now that kind of like talks about that. Um, like there, There's actually like um, some of the people on Wall Street they're so sophisticated that they actually have like fiber optic cables that go straight to Wall Street so they can get the information faster. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, that's, that's the difference insane, between dude. millions and, you know, like nothing. Fucking millisecond difference yeah. can, can make all the difference. Uh, it's just something that I, I wanted to do. I just thought it, it was something that would be easy to do. And within my, uh, my finance classes, uh, I thought I felt like I was always good with just like kind of figuring out, um, you know, how to best use your analysis to figure out what stocks to buy at what time. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was something that I felt like I, I could have excelled in. But like looking at back at it now, it's like, dude, there's so many smarter people out there that like do this for a living and just so easy. Like I would need spreadsheets yeah. to to do it. Like um, you'd have like. These finance guys that can just do it in their head. It's just insane. Yeah. Like it's like uh, trying to play basketball with Michael Jordan or something. Yeah. <laughs> like there's yeah, a guy definitely. that good. So, so you're, so market analysis, that's something that you were already studying. That's another thing that you took away from college. Um, yeah. Well, so I, I would consider it like a more like SWOT analysis, if you're familiar with that word. And so SWOT strengths, no. weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So, oh, cool. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. So that's something that you look out for when you're studying the market. Yeah. So like with with any industry, it's kind of something that you want to run um, prior to, you know, joining an industry or just kind of understanding an industry when you go in. You want to understand your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, opportunities, meaning like um, uh, things that you could do better um, to improve your business and then threats, things that, um, you know, have a threat of derailing your business. So those are the kind of yeah. things that you want to identify. So do you look at the SWATs like when, when you're like uh, applying for jobs too? Yeah, um, I do. And it becomes more of a second nature thing rather than like actually doing like a full on like SWAT analysis. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really understanding that sort of stuff. Um, so out of college, yeah, I was just putting out like applications here and there. And, and yeah, what happened was uh, I got like a, an opportunity at Pekka Corporate as a demand analyst. Um, and yeah. a lot of that came from one of the old, my coworker managers that worked at the Maramesa location with me. He kind of got my foot in the door and he got cool. me an, an interview. And this is like the, my first like big corporate interview where I had mm-hmm. like uh, meet with seven different people. And like I wasn't used to that. Oh, fucking ga- those gauntlet interviews. I hate that shit, man. Yeah, it's I just hate, I'm not good at interviews in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, dude i i feel like i'm not 
really good at interviews in general, but I felt like I think you are. I, I think I think you're better than you give yourself credit for. I, well, I feel like I, I started to practice a little bit more with it. Um, but dude, yeah, like uh, it, the, we spent, I think maybe they they etched out like a five hour day for me to meet with our five different people that day. It, it was crazy. So you know, I went from one interview to the next interview to the next interview, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, so eventually I got hired, you know, which is cool. So right away you got the job. You said you were a demand demand analyst? Yeah, so basically um, a position in which you forecast sales of items within a certain department. So I, I forecasted baseline sales, promotional sales, and then new item sales. And the new item sales is basically you bring in a new item. You don't know how it's going to sell, so you look at a like item, something similar to that item, and kind of forecast what those sales are. And what happens is um, knowing that forecast, uh, being a demand analyst, um, I also buy that inventory to bring into our uh, DCs and push out to the stores. So you had to predict yeah. based on trends of um, similar items? Yeah, based on trends. of That's pretty items. scary, right? It can be. Uh, it, it really can be because if you go out of stock uh, of an item, then you have lost sales. If you buy too much of an item, then you have... Um, inventory Surplus, yeah. yeah inventory that's gonna go like just wasted on the shelf and so you have to kind of like get the exact amount almost yeah and you know with a forecast you you never can really always be right on with the forecast forecast is always just going to be your best bet that's cool i, I yeah i feel like I, I get a a better idea of what you were doing at Pico because i think back then uh you were kind of like chandler with like he was like a transponster where <laughs> you know no one really knew exactly what he did they just know he did something with computers and finance and stuff but mm-hmm. that's kind of, i, I kind of saw you as a transponder where i didn't <laughs> know what you did at petco and, and and you liked that job for a while i mean you worked there for seven years well so i did that for maybe about four years i was a demand yeah. analyst for four years um i ended up becoming mm-hmm. uh, um we call it an iada inventory analyst slash demand analyst where i was handling both talking to the vendor buying from the vendor bringing that into the DCs and then pushing that out to stores. So I would be handling supply chain from just uh, from the beginning to end. So you talk to vendors directly? Yeah. So I, I would come up with our forecast, you know, just going off historical sales. I would share that with our vendors. I started doing kind of like um, monthly kind of forecasting calls with our bigger vendors talk through my forecast and how it's aligning with their forecast and then talking about any supply chain issues that may come up. Were, were a lot of these conversations uh, on the golf course? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good segue. into. The golf. <laughs> Did you start taking up golf because of work or you just wanted to take up golf? It was because of work. Or, or it was, was it a little bit of both? No, it, it, it was strictly because of work. So, it's 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 no it's kind of a weird thing it's um i didn't take golf seriously until i think it was november of 2018 is when i started uh, taking it very seriously i first started playing golf um i think it was it was november of 2012 it was a work tournament um it was it's it's an annual tournament that they have at petco where they bring in all the vendors it's a fundraiser and it's a it's a very Mm -hmm. big event you know they go to like a really really nice golf course in san diego the vendors would um you know they they'd stay overnight it'd be there'd be a big dinner after where they have awards and everything i might have been at petco for maybe like six months uh the corporate office for six months by then and uh i was invited to the tournament and i was like i never played golf like no go ahead they have clubs that you could use at the golf course and i honestly thought i was going to come out to this golf event and be an idiot savant and just like fucking like you know be good at golf <laughs> and then so i i um tee up for the first hole you know i swing as hard as i can and i dude, i had like this craziest shank like to the right i was like dude this is fucking hard and yeah the whole time it was, just, <laughs> like, it was a terrible experience did you do like a happy gilmore swing uh, no i didn't I, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the event had free alcohol so i ended up just getting drunk with my vendor and just like having fun right um, but like between then and November of 2018, like I didn't take it seriously. And then November yeah. of 2018, I don't know quite what changed. I think it might have been that I went golfing with uh, some of my coworkers and a mm. few of them were chicks and yeah. um, they were really good. And I talked to them and they actually got scholarships um, to go to college yeah. for golf. And, um, you know, 
I love my niece. And that's the first thing I started thinking about. It's like, it's really easy for chicks to go to college with golf scholarships, um, as long as they know a little bit about golf. Uh, what they were telling me is that uh, because of, I think it's called Article 11. Was it Article 11 or Article 9? It, uh, maybe it's 9. It's basically just, just kind of like a, a collegiate rule that uh, for every scholarship for a male, there needs to be a uh, same scholarship available for a female. Now, with a lot of colleges, you have like a, a football team. And like, like different the mm-hmm. sports that females usually don't have like a full team for. So because you have like a football team at a school, uh, a lot of those scholarships for the football players goes unused for females because there are no football teams for females. So a lot of the scholarships Mm -hmm. are kind of used for rowing or golf. And and those were kind of the big things that kind of came up. And every girl that I played with at Petco who played golf went to golf with a scholarship. Like, like no joke, every girl. And it's just it's just kind of crazy to think about that they had a full ride just because they played golf. And, you know, like uh, I'm not good at all, but they weren't pro either, these chicks. They, they, they just kind of like uh, were able to keep up with like uh, the guys in the group, which is, which is awesome. And I just thought it, it would yeah. be a great opportunity for my niece down the road. So I decided to take it a little bit more seriously I mean, I was playing golf like every weekend with uh, our golf crew. I joined a golf crew. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, um, it's a little intimidating because it's a lot of black guys. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's intimidating? Well, you didn't let me finish. It's not intimidating because they're black. <laughs> <laughs> it's intimidating because like uh they just talk so much shit to each other it's so crazy um but they, and, and um, it's like it's that thing where you're you're not that cool with them where you can like just fucking talk shit shit to them right away my golf group is actually uh traveling all the way to arizona to play golf they went there yesterday oh, shit. are you going with them <laughs> i was uh considering it i was definitely but then you got scared because they're black first of all i was never scared because they were black i was intimidated (laughs) because of if they were filipinos and they were talking to each other like that i would still feel the same way (laughs) i'm just uh, imagining um remember that scene in the office where uh ryan went to he he had to go talk to those vendors but they're all black guys and he's just like hi 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 I used to be uh, I, I used to think your mom was scary but she's actually like really it's sweet weird like I don't know where that came from I think it's just because of our all our crazy antics from high school it's so dumb I put on a surprise Wrestlemania party do you remember that like that was with the Astro with jump. Astro. she had no idea that was happening she you didn't I tell didn't. your mom you didn't no, tell your I, mom. I just told her a couple of people were coming over <laughs> watch wrestling. And there was like thirty yeah, of us in and there. Then we had an Astro jump. I remember that. Who is that? That there was that big white dude that was there, and he was like power bombing us in the Astro jump. Remember, white dude. He had like long hair. He almost looked like Triple H. He was like as big. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that party. That was WrestleMania 15 when uh, it was Stone Cold against yeah, The Rock. I, I remember uh, me and Josh uh, putting it all together. He made the the flyer. I think he still has it out there. Yeah, I remember that flyer. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember, like telling Josh, like, dude, if we pull this off, we're gonna be, we're gonna be like the cool guys. <laughs> so dumb. That <laughs> <laughs> was like your super bad. Yeah, moment. a little bit. Oh man. But anyway, yeah, to get back yeah. on track, um, there's a few things I, I, I did want to talk about, like, um, with my transition from Petco to L Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was, I was gonna bring that up. Let me let me talk a little bit more about like uh, what happened, what was happening at Petco. So, um, with Petco, I was a demand analyst for I, I think a good four years. Um, you know, I had a few promotions uh, within that role. I went into the inventory analyst slash demand analyst position. So I became uh, what's called a SME, which is subject matter expert. And then um, I love all these uh, acronyms we're learning. <laughs> so there's SWAT, SWAT, 
which is strength, weakness, opportunity, threat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then SME subject is matter expert. subject matter expert. Nice. Um, <laughs> so a demand analyst position is actually uh, higher than an inventory analyst position just because you're doing a lot of forecasting and whatnot. And then the step up would yeah. be the and that's higher. That's higher than a transponder. Yeah, it's higher than transponder. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I think transponders make a lot of money because, dude, Chandler Bing was like, <laughs> dude, he was pretty high up there. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is where it kind of gets dark um, in my career at Petco because for the first two and a half years, I or for the first two years, I had. A great manager, and this is the first time I really experienced this, um, but I had a manager where um, we were more colleagues than it was like a hierarchy of boss and subordinate um, kind of relationship. So like he, he really took me under his wing, taught me kind of methodology, taught me the skills of negotiation, and um, just uh, being solution oriented rather than trying to point fingers because uh, it did seem like that yeah. was like a big thing within Petco. So my my manager, he, he was just a great guy. We're actually still friends to this day. My manager was offered a position in uh, procurement. It was a step up. It was a different department. So he actually uh, he vacated the position. Um, and then they eventually hired a new manager. And then this is where um, things kind of changed for me. Like the job didn't change at all, but the management did change. And um, different, yeah. I guess, leadership styles do affect you as an employee, right? So Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, well, so like I, I think a lot of it was maybe just kind of our personalities didn't mesh very well, or maybe his expectations of me were different than my expectations for the position and it, it just got to a point for me where i was actually kind of in a, a dark place where i felt like um i was not enjoying my job anymore i was yeah. dreading like over the weekend you know i would be happy to get to the weekend and then sunday night i would be dreading to come into work the next day because he, he was expecting a, a lot of things that i think were i, I feel like out of my capacity to do within a normal mm-hmm. work day and I, I think a lot of it was because he was trying to make a name for himself and i was um, feeling um a, a little like i was kind of like at a dead end and um you know and i i kind of started feeling like I, that my manager wasn't really appreciating me which made my morale go down a little bit more and it's not to say that he wasn't good at his job. He was really good at his job. I just think he was, that was kind of like the point where I started uh, feeling that I needed to kind of move on for my own sanity or for my own um, uh, well-being. And that's a good point about if it's sucking the life out of you, then you there's, there's at some point you have you have to like wake up and, mm-hmm. and take that leap and, and see what else is out there because life is short yeah. and... You think about how much time you're spending at work, mm-hmm. and and if you're not ha- and if you're unhappy where you're at, then it's definitely not worth. It. It's going to take its toll, like like mentally, spiritually, <laughs> emotionally, mm-hmm. even physically. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think you did the right thing. There's like a Gary. That's like a Gary V thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow Gary V, but it's like if you're only looking forward to Fridays, then you have to like find a new yeah. gig because you should just, you should be happy with what I, you're doing. I definitely think so. I, I definitely think so. That work, work life balance, I feel like is huge. And I never noticed it until that point right there. That, that's when I kind of like uh, just started to look elsewhere. One of the first things I did was Google best places to work in San Diego. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> and uh, yeah. somehow like um, L Smith came up. And then I, I was looking. Well, yeah, looking at the website, and then there was a position open for a purchasing manager. So you know, I decided, and I was like, you know, what the heck? I'll just put my name out there. And purchasing manager—that that, that sounds pretty similar to to yeah, what you're doing. It is right? in a lot of different industries. Different positions um, are kind of, you know, titled differently. And, and yeah. you know, a purchasing manager. Uh, sourcing manager procurement manager they're kind of like all within the same um realm. and it helps that it's fucking alesmith like that's a cool ass it, it's one of the biggest um breweries out yeah. here even before you started working there you already knew i, I didn't know about it you know um the the sad part about it though is um 
I, I was just so kind of dire to find something new that the, this industry that I actually wasn't like a, I, I wasn't a big beer person. So, yeah, you know, like I felt like I was being like disingenuous when like when I was applying for it, but I just wanted to kind of see what yeah. was, what were they were about. And then, so, mm. you know, I put my application out there. I got a call and I was talking to Vicky Zine, who is the co-owner of Al Smith. And the picture she painted for me was, was just a, a really nice picture of a kind of company that, that has this mom and pop kind of feel, family kind of oriented, you know, they take care yeah. of their employees, you know, and they just wanted to grow as a brewery made me feel like I wanted to kind of get to know a little bit more about that, that company to be part yeah, of, to be part of, yeah. to be part of the family. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I went in for like an in-person interview and uh, I felt a little bit better about uh, wanting to try and get into this different industry where they were looking for help. They were looking for someone that was, that had my kind of experience um, with vendor yeah. relationships, uh, sourcing and procurement, and inventory background. Although they they wanted someone with manufacturing background and someone that would kind of know or have experience of production and and yeah. you know a production schedule. That's the kind of experience that they were looking for. But they they knew that my experience could translate in the sense that. You know, I had the opposite end of the experience where I was the one that our, the salespeople would usually talk to, but now I would be the one working yeah. on on the manufacturing. So I would be the person that I I would have been talking to when I was working at Petco. And, and that's why I was saying uh, that's why I was saying earlier you're probably better at interviews than you give yourself credit for because it's not it's not exactly the position you have experience in or or the position they were looking for. Mm-hmm. But you were still able to get hired just based on um, applying at, at what you did experience and what you did learn and and uh, communicating that yeah, to them. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to do, just trying to make make them uh, kind of see how my experience fit into the position that they were, you know, looking to fill. But but you have a yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say you have a funny story about. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to go into that. <laughs> So yeah, like I wasn't a very big beer person at all. Like I, I'm still not a huge beer person just because uh, <laughs> there's so much volume of beer that you have to drink. Because <laughs> when you're drinking, you want to get faded, right? Um, well, not not anymore. Yeah, not, not like wasted, but you you, you want to get <laughs> to a point where you know you start feeling a little loose. But stouts will get you there. A stout will, yes, a stout will definitely. Yeah. They are very strong. <laughs> But like, so what stouts though? Stout because stouts are um, the coffee based, right? Usually, and I've never yeah. been a big coffee person. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, and, uh, yeah. Too. So I've never yeah. been a big beer person either, just because I always felt like it filled me yeah. up. Because I was always been like a big shot guy, right? I would take shots, and then right. I kind of like yeah. eventually Cocktails, yeah. turn into more of a sipper of like hard liquor. Yeah, just mm-hmm. because I, I I always felt like yeah it got me to kind of that good buzz without like making me feel full or guilty about how many calories I'm drinking. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, what you were kind of like uh, leading into was like uh, the funny story is like <laughs> so in my interview like when I was talking to her I was like yeah yeah um, I do drink beer or I just I just started getting really into beer I really love your three ninety five beer and then she like corrected me she's like oh you mean 394 <laughs> at that moment that my conversation or my interview was done <laughs> yeah. see and, and that's what i'm saying that's a, it's almost a feat because you were you were able to recover from that even though you like totally got the product wrong <laughs> 395. Yeah. i mean you're only one number off it's not that horrible yeah. but we're we were kind of laughing about it, like, God damn it, Mark, it's 394. Yeah, what well, the and fuck? then she also explained to me, like, what it was about. So 394 is actually, um, it's actually Tony Gwynn's uh, highest batting average. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was great um, that she kind of told me the story. And they're, L. Smith is very proud about their history. And, you know, a lot of that is kind of what sold me on wanting to work there. So I started working there. Um, and and I started to like see that yeah this really was a mom and pop kind of operation going on, and um, so 
One other thing is um, I watched this TED Talk a while ago with um, the creator of uh, Alibaba Express. It's kind of like uh, China's eBay or Amazon. And he had mm. uh, this great TED Talk where he was just talking about his career and how he um, kind of recommended people within the career. The way that they should start out is they start out with a big company, you know, some a place where uh, they're very established so you can learn about like corporate culture. You can learn about standards and operations mm-hmm. and procedures. You can learn a lot about a lot of those things that, that are in place to run a big company. Then you want to go into a startup so you could implement a lot of those things that you have learned at like a big corporate culture company, um, uh, a company that has yeah. been successful for a while. And then after you're done with that, then you go into your own kind of like business venture where you're applying what you've oh, learned um, in a big corporate company and what you've learned in a startup. And then you kind of put those together and you kind of start your own kind of business. And uh, that was a lot of the, the reason why I thought like Elsmith was a great place to go as well is because I felt like I was taking what I've learned at Petco and established that at Elsmith. My experience yeah. really, uh, really was in the realm of vendor relationships, cost negotiation, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. evaluating um, uh, vendor performance. So I had to like uh, get into this position and kind of establish uh, standards and procedures of how we were going to look at our vendor matrix and figure out vendor performance through KPIs. I mean, KPI is a key performance indicator. Right. So uh, I felt like I had a lot of value to add with kind of figuring out who our best vendors are and then also reach out into the marketplace to kind of figure out if in actuality, this vendor who we think is the best vendor is actually the best vendor. I'm still learning a lot and that's what's becoming fun about this new position. Do you feel like now that you've worked at uh, Ale Smith for a few months, are you uh, appreciating beer more? Oh, definitely, more beer? definitely. <laughs> there, there, there is a crazy, there, there's a, there is a crazy art to uh, these recipes. And, but you, and you mentioned um, breweries are have been taking a hit with this um, COVID thing. So, what are what are other what are some of the ways that people can support breweries or, or like support Ale Smith if, if they if they want to like is Ale Smith is Ale Smith doing like curbside uh, pickup? Yeah, for we are. We we still are doing curbside pickup. I think that it's been helping with sales. I think over the last few weeks we've had thirty to forty k um, in sales, which is good. That's good. It's yeah. still it's still a small portion of what our regular tasting room does. Sure. But yeah, we, we have pivoted in, in some ways to figure out getting some sort of revenue in-house. So um, one of the things that I was doing right before we closed down was revamping our, our apparel shop. So I was All working right. with our designer, contacting vendors to get new apparel into our gift shop. Unfortunately, yeah. because our tasting room is closed, our gift shop launch, which was scheduled for uh, oh. March 17th, didn't go through. Yeah. But what instead, the way we pivoted is we actually got our web store up and running. And oh. um, so people are able to buy the new apparel on our web store. So Okay, yeah. cool. So people can go online and buy some Ale Smith swag. Yeah, they are. And then, yeah, um, like you were talking about, uh, curbside pickup is is another big thing that we have. You could uh, go in through uh, vinespring.com um, and search L. Smith to find what's available to buy. We brought out a lot of our um, barrel-aged stock bottles from our warehouse to sell, to move through. I believe right now our... Um, Barrel age bottles are on sale for twenty five percent off. Nice. Our kegs are sixtals, which is a one six uh, barrel, and our half barrels are fifty percent off. <laughs> That's a lot of beer. Have you, had, have you had anyone come through and buy a keg? Oh yeah, dude, definitely. There's a lot of people. <laughs> That's tight. It was it, it was pretty <laughs> insane. Like so, when we first put them on sale on the internet. Um, that was the week that uh, we had, uh, I think, like 35K in sales 
a lot of that was in kegs though. Um, yeah. but the thing about like keg, when you have, whenever you have, and this is what I learned at Peco, whenever you have, um, a cell that involves you, what, what we call pantry loading. And that's, uh, when you buy more, um, finished goods than, than, you, than you regularly need, yeah. you'll, you'll have like a, this big uptick in cells, but, uh, the preceding months or proceeding months, you would have a, a downtick in cells because a lot of the people that come in month to month now don't have to come in for another couple of months. So that's what we call yeah. pantry loading. And um, you, we always have to be aware about that because uh, if we do have a cell that gets people pantry loading, then we know that the follow-up month is going to be uh, lower in cells because you have all this, all these customers that just don't need the inventory right now. You don't think about this stuff. Yeah, you open my eyes to a lot of <laughs> different things. Definitely a lot of different things that I don't even think about when I'm going out to, you know, make any purchase really. But yeah, this is cool talking about like everything. Yeah. Like there, there, there's there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that that we covered from just your parents instilling in you that work ethic from like pulling weeds in the backyard. <laughs> And I, and I can tell your enthusiasm with working with Dale Smith, it, it shows. And, you know, one of the things, though, like before we leave, like one thing I'd like to tell, you know, your kids, uh, my niece, nephew, what they, they should know growing up is like the path isn't always going to go the way that you think it's going to go. But you got to just have to like pivot and find a way to kind of like just make it work. Yeah, um, and just know that like like it's never the end. You could always figure your way out of any kind of hole. Figure your yeah. way out to make yourself successful in, in one way or another. But as long as you just keep working at it and and just not giving up, there's never an end to a story. There's always just like a it's a continuation, and you just have to just keep going and just doing the best that you can. that is our episode on work life. Thank you all so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate all the kind words I've been hearing from people saying that they've been having fun listening to these conversations. You know, sometimes these things can take a while to to edit and, and to record. I know they might not sound like much, but you know, these things do take a little bit of time and and I just keep telling myself it's worth it if if it gives people even just a few minutes of joy and comfort during these tough times and it'll especially be worth it when when the girls get older and they get to listen to their old man have these conversations with uh you know some of their their uncles and aunties so you know it's been a lot of fun so far so thank you and and thank you to mark for for coming on the show and and being so open and honest about his his career path um, he's one of the most talented guys I know. He was literally voted most talented back in middle school because <laughs> uh, this dude, he played the piano. He was in Taekwondo. He used to put on a Spider-Man mask and would do backflips off of a concrete wall. He's in wrestling and football. So definitely lots more to talk about if, if he ever wants to do a future episode. So thank you to him. And, and, you know, and like you heard on the show, he's killing it in the professional world and, and he's got the acronyms to prove it. I realize listening back to it that that I also brought up our buddy Josh a couple times without even really giving context. I just assumed that anyone that's listening to the show is just a close friend of ours. But if you don't know who Josh is, he is one of our best friends. Uh, he was the lead guitarist of our band. If you listen back to the the music episode that I did, and he's he's also one of the most creative people I know, and and I'd love to to have him on the show as well to kind of pick his brains about the different projects he's he's into now. But yeah, this was this was a, a fun episode, and I think it's something that people can relate to, especially any of the future generation that is still figuring out what they want to do really in life. Uh, Mark had some pretty good advice and, and you can learn from his experience. Some of the key takeaways, the first one being support your local brews. And and it's not just because my homie works at Alesmith, but go to alesmith.com. It's, it's, it's always been one of our favorite beers. Go to alesmith.com and, and see what they have to offer. 
And like you heard from Mark, they're doing curbside pickup. So, and, and, and not even just Alesmith, whatever your favorite brewery is, go see what they're doing because the brewery industry is taking a hit because of uh, COVID-19. So uh, check out your favorite brews and see what they're up to. See, see if there's any way you can help them. You know, you're stuck at home. You, you need to drink beer anyway. So the second uh, big takeaway is the importance of education. That's something that he found helped him when he was stuck in a rut when he was feeling too comfortable and too complacent in his job, education was something that helped him break free, helped him find new opportunities. And it's not just for, for the physical, you know, document of having your college degree, but really just the experiences you get from a higher education and, and the connections you make, you know, the people you meet. And even something that something that may seem as simple as learning different functions on a spreadsheet, that's something that can help you in the long run. And the last thing, you know, like Mark said, if you ever find yourself in a dark place, whether it's that shitty coworker that kills your vibe or just a toxic work environment, toxic relationships, anything toxic, really, you can push through it because the story is never over. Continue to work hard and you'll find success. You know, that message reminds me a lot of my favorite quote from Bruce Lee, one of the greatest of all time. And he said to be water. He said, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Take care of yourselves and have a good one. Say bye, Clementine. Bye. Bro. So what do you think about uh, the Chicago Bears uh, pickup so far? <laughs> Let's save this for another pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I've actually been um, trying to prolong trying to mess around to see how long I can keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it worked. You got to four hours, and and then I no, finally. No, but seriously though, like uh, you know, the Bears, dude. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, but 100% this year. I think 100% this year. <laughs> it, might, it might be 90% though, because I, I want to see what Rivers does on the Colts. Aren't you curious? Shut the fuck up. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm ending this meeting. <laughs>